This is Dr. Holly Lucille's Mindful Medicine. Here's Dr. Holly Lucille. Hi folks, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. This is Dr. Holly Lucille here at Mindful Medicine. And today we are gonna be talking about SIBO. Yes, S-I-B-O. Listen, anytime I see patients and you know I have a clinical practice, they come in, fill out the little contact form on my website, they're calling saying, I think I have SIBO and I need help. So how are people starting to know about SIBO and what is it? Well, we are gonna find out today, not only what is it, but what we can do about it. So to do that, I'm gonna introduce Dr. Nerala Jacoby. She is a naturopathic doctor, is board certified naturopathic physician. She graduated from Bastyr University here in the United States. We are talking to her all the way from Australia though. Um, she is a leading expert in the treatment of small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Yes, that is what SIBO stands for. And it's a common cause of IBS or irritable bowel syndrome and so much more. She's the medical director for SIBO Test, which is an online testing service, service for practitioners. She is so passionate about educating practitioners that she founded the SIBO Doctor. So we are f- fortunate to bring on very shortly here the SIBO Doctor an online professional education platform for functional digestive disorders. She lectures nationally and internationally about the assessment and treatment of SIBO and is the host of the popular podcast, The SIBO Doctor, for practitioners. She is the medical director and senior naturopathic physician at the Biome Clinic, the Center for Functional Digestive Disorders in Malbinimbin. She's going to, well, she'll, 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 she'll correct that city for me in New South Wales. So Nerala, Dr. Jacoby, please just say hi to me and get me out of this darn bio heck that I just got myself into with you. <laughs> it's, so, it's so great to talk to you, Holly. Um, Listen, we've I have each been... each other for some time. And yes. uh, yeah, it's wonderful to be on your podcast. Well, it's wonderful to see the work that you're doing and that you know you kind of carved out this niche for yourself. And I love it because we need it so badly because I think that I've seen it all over the place as far as diagnosis and treatment of SIBO. For the listeners, I mean, I mentioned it in your bio, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Why don't you just take it away and describe to us what is SIBO? Okay, great. Um, So we all maybe uh, understand that there is this whole organ in our gut that is the microbiome, right? So we have trillions of bacteria um, in our mainly in our large intestine that do a whole host of functions for us and that do even incredible things like create neurotransmitters and help us with energy and all that. And that's all mainly happening in the large intestine. So if you think about the large intestine, think of the diversity like a rainforest in a way. But when you think about the small intestine, the small intestine is mainly supposed to be um, quite ster- not sterile, but it's supposed to have far fewer number of bacteria there so that you can absorb your food and extract nutrients from your food essentially. So if you have um, a visual of the different landscapes there, the, uh, the small intestine is a bit more like arid uh, environment versus the large intestine, which is kind of like a rainforest. So SIBO is where we have um, a lot of overgrowth of large intestinal bacteria or bacteria that are normally found in the large intestine abnormally overgrown in the small intestine where they really interfere with this process of digestion. And there are lots of different causes um, of that happening, which I'm sure will elucidate, but that essentially is what, what SIBO is, where you have bacteria that are not meant to be there um, overgrowing 
uh, and eating essentially the food for you. So it's kind of like real estate, I should say. It's like location, location, location. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, wouldn't you say that this is a fairly new discovery in our profession or in general? Well, it's actually not a new discovery. Um, and it is kind of appalling, Holly, that we didn't really learn about it, you know, yeah. <laughs> in our schooling even. But it's been around for a while, but it's kind of gained popularity again uh, about 10, maybe uh, 15 years ago when Dr. Pimentel wrote his book, The New IBS Solution. Uh, and Dr. Pimentel is a very well-known gastroenterology at Cedars. Uh, down where you are, and it's he's he's basically done a lot of research into SIBO, and has this or you know we've witnessed sort of this resurgence of popularity of this concept that there are different states of bacterial overgrowth that are really location specific. So, but for me, I found out about it in 2011 when I uh, went to the ANP, our professional conference and listened to a talk by two naturopathic doctors and I was just completely flabbergasted that I'd never ah. heard about it especially since I had um, really you know prided myself in being pretty well versed in everything digestive health and I'd never heard about it but it made so much sense because a lot of patients that I saw that were getting good results you know they, they probably didn't have SIBO but there was a subset of patients with IBS that just didn't improve. And now I had the answer as to why they didn't improve because they didn't need the same treatment that other patients um, had that had maybe IBS, but not SIBO. Right. So let's do that right now. Let's just, what for our listeners, why don't we just distinguish between SIBO and IBS? What is the difference? Well, the, the, there is, it's thought that about 60 to 80% of IBS is actually SIBO, right? And IBS is a, basically a diagnosis um, that's given if you have alternating stool patterns or if you have diarrhea or constipation, there has to be abdominal pain presence. And there's a, it's, a, it's a set of symptoms. There isn't one test that we can give to a patient that says you have IBS, right? It's basically a diagnosis of exclusion, meaning that all the bad things have been ruled out. And if you have this subset of, or the symptom picture of pain, abdominal pain, bloating, um, alternating bowel patterns, you basically are given this diagnosis. Now, what we've, what we've learned with Dr. Pimentel and his research and, and subsequent research is that many of these symptoms are actually due to this bacterial overgrowth. So if you think about bacterial fermentation that produces gas and that can cause a lot of this bloating, um, a lot of this cramping uh, and diarrhea and or constipation. So it is a subset of IBS, but there isn't a one test that we can, that we can do to rule out uh, uh, IBS of other, of other causes. Yeah. You know, I've always said I care little about the diagnosis. I care more about the mechanisms behind the diagnosis because, right, the diagnosis really doesn't just tell you much. It doesn't help you understand the tissue changes or the changes that have been happening way before we were able to, you know, render a diagnosis per se, especially with IBS that's so darn general. So I think we're getting more and more into the gestalt of um, what might be going on with some of these folks. But one of the things that I've learned about SIBO um, for sure is that in order to eradicate it, 
um, it's important to perhaps understand, and this is what we do as naturopathic doctors, and identify the cause of of how that you know bacteria that shouldn't be there got there. And right. what so what is the most common cause of SIBO? So I've spent a lot of last year to really nut out for practitioners this this matrix of underlying causes. And and I think there are four main causes of underlying causes of SIBO. And the main category of that would be something is wrong with the motility of the upper gut. So what that means is normally when you're eating um, you, and in between meals, you have this, this what's, what's called a cleansing wave that uh, sweeps through the small intestine that really aims to clear the uh, digestive or the small intestine of food residue and bacterial residue. So there is there is this mechanism in place that prevents us all from walking around having SIBO because we're certainly not sterile beings. Our food contains bacteria. Everything we eat has some level of bacteria. And so what prevents that from overgrowing a certain mechanism like, like this cleansing wave that is propagated by something called the migrating motor complex, which is an inherent part of this uh, the neurological con conduction system of the small intestine so when that's damaged um, it just doesn't flow right things are allowed to remain in the small intestine that aren't supposed to be there so then you can see how bacteria are are not swept out and so they're allowed to propagate there or grow other reasons can be when somebody has massive amounts of stress um, and that affects their digestive juice output, as I call it. So things like you don't make enough stomach acid or you don't make enough digestive enzymes. And so all of a sudden, these other protective mechanisms are also altered. So, you know, we're all meant to kill bacteria that come in through our food through this vat of acid that is in our, mm -hmm. in our stomach. And when that's impaired, that can also cause bacterial overgrowth. But it's thought that they're the main category of dysfunction really is this motility problem, which can be triggered by a previous case of food poisoning. So let's say that you went um, overseas or you went to Mexico or you went somewhere where you had food poisoning. And after that, you realize that you, you know, your digestive symptoms never really went away. And in fact, they're getting worse and you might be developing IBS. Well, what happened there is, let's say you had a case of food poisoning with one of the common bacteria like E. coli, Campylobacter, Salmonella, or anything. And yeah. what happened there is during the course, during this time period of you having food poisoning, those bacteria that, um, that cause this actually are releasing a tremendous amount of toxin called CDTB. And your body tries to protect itself. And so it makes an antibody against this poison and accidentally mm. makes an antibody against this migrating motor complex. So it is actually ah. a case of mistaken identity where it's trying to protect you from the poison, but accidentally shuts off the very thing that clears that out. And so that's what's mm. thought to be a very common cause of, uh, of SIBO is that something damaged this cleansing wave and, um, that can be also measured. So there is a blood test for that that can measure for these antibodies. And if they're positive, then that is a very definitive underlying cause of SIBO. What's the blood test for folks to understand? It's called IBS SMART. 
and it is a oh, blood yes, test that, of course. Yeah, that measures the um, anti-CDTB antibody and anti-vinculin antibodies. And that's actually, luckily, yeah, you that, guys in, in America have it. We don't have it here in Australia. So there's, there's a lot of guesswork yeah. that uh, comes with finding underlying, not, not guesswork, but there's, it takes a bit more work for us to un find underlying causes. But even simple things like, or maybe not simple, but um, other conditions like endometriosis or abdominal surgery for minor things like, um, you know, uh, even a laparoscopy or... Uh, having your gallbladder out or those kinds of conditions where, where there was an intrusion into the abdominal cavity that, that causes scar tissue that then interferes with the normal flow of the digestive tract can also cause SIBO. So there, there are numerous right. underlying causes. Yeah, that's great. You know, it's funny, I <clears throat> accidentally had major abdominal surgery this summer and um, I was followed only by the trauma surgeons and uh, when I was in the hospital and I, of course I had my list of questions, you know, po possible complications because they had to take my terminal ilium, my cecum, my oh, no. uh, appendix and part of my large bowel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, but one, <laughs> one of my questions was, do you think I'm at risk for SIBO? And they all looked at me like I had seven heads. So I was like, <laughs> okay, uh, you know, at a point, yeah. at a point in time, sometimes you just need to take care into your own hands. Um, yeah. But so, okay, so we talked about the blood test, IBS smart. Of course, we have here, that here in the United States, which is great, and it can identify those antibodies. But before we get into the treatment of SIBO, which I know that you're an expert in, how else besides symptoms are we able to uh, diagnose? Is there other testing available? Oh, sure. So um, the most common uh, test for SIBO is a breath test, right? So the breath test is measuring the gas output by the bacteria that are in the upper gut and it measures hydrogen and methane and neither of those gases are produced by humans so when they're present on a breath test we know they're from uh, bacterial origin so the way it works is you have an overnight fast and the next morning you drink this uh, pretty much a prebiotic sugar and it aims to really stimulate this bacterial growth and uh, for the next three hours, you're measuring your, you, you're, you're sampling your breath every 20 minutes, and then you're sending that into the lab. And the way it is assessed, or the way how we're looking at it, is that the sugar fed the bacteria, the bacteria release the gas, the gas is actually absorbed into your circulation, and you're exhaling the, the gas. So it's a pretty good uh, test, very uninvasive. You can do it at home fairly inexpensive. So that's usually where we start. Yeah. You know, and I always tell my patients when we're going to do this, I've done it myself and, you know, you kind of have to just let them understand that it takes a little bit of patience. It takes a little bit of time, but the, but the payoff is going to be there because we're going to totally understand where we need to start um, when we get these results back. So with that, um, how do you actually treat SIBO? And I guess I'm going to add to that question and how do you stop it from coming back? That's a really good question, actually. So, um, but like, so if you look at the, let's, let's go back to the breath test for just a second, because they're, they're, the two gases um, are produced by different organisms, right? So hydrogen is uh, produced by a group of bacteria called like gram-negative bacteria, and methane right. is produced by not even a bacteria. It's a different type of organism um, called, it's in a group called archaea, but that's kind of unimportant. But basically, um, those two gases mean that they're different organisms causing different conditions even, or symptoms. 
So typically when somebody is constipated uh, or constipation dominant uh, SIBO, they typically have an overgrowth of um, what are called methanogens. So producing methane and methane is very constipating in many, not in everyone at all, but in many it is. And so the treatment for that type of SIBO would be different than somebody that has a hydrogen dominant one that's typically more diarrhea dominant. So for methane, we use, um, if we're talking natural substances, uh, we use a very high allicin content garlic. So not just garlic uh, in food, but uh, a really highly concentrated active ingredient of garlic. So because ironically, garlic is uh, what's called a high FODMAP food, which is usually not recommended during uh, SIBO treatment, right? So there are certain foods that have fibers that are very fermentable um, called FODMAPs, and they are to be avoided during, during the treatment phase and also ma uh, maintenance phase. So the diet is a big component. Then the different treatments are either garlic extract, um, there's also oregano oil, and then there's berberine for the hydrogen producers. And so the, the, they're quite varied in terms of active antimicrobial treatment. And then you also have conventional uh, treatments which involve uh, antibiotics that are mainly staying in the small intestine, like rifaximin. Um, I cannot prescribe anymore in Australia, so I've really not had to do that very often. I, I stick with my herbs and I also use something called the elemental diet, which is a two week to three week meal replacement uh, shake formula that basically aims to starve out the bacteria and it's really effective as well. So there yeah. are different uh, types of treatment that are based on herbal antimicrobials Then there's the diet um, and then you also have an elemental diet formula. Yeah, I love it. You know, um, what do you think about, there's a, there's a concept out there kind of right now that I've been hearing called, if you don't feed it, you can't kill it. So obviously I think people with this condition are uncomfortable. The gas, the bloating, that fermentation that happens, it's like, it's just uncomfortable. And so staying away from those FODMAP and I, I can't off the top of my head, but can you allow our listeners to know what FODMAP stands for? And if not, sure, of course, <laughs> of course I can. Um, it stands for <laughs> fermentable oligo, disaccharides, um, monosaccharides, and polyols. Right. So these, this is an acronym that was uh, is quite a mouthful. But basically, these are all components of foods that are very fermentable, and and fermentation itself is not a problem. You know, these these foods are actually really healthy, part of the normal spectrum of, of healthy foods that in a in a good environment you know if they're if they actually reach the colon that's great they're meant to be fermented but if you have bacteria that are in the wrong location and are fermenting in an area that's not meant to be fermented in that's the problem right but the FODMAP diet was actually created by Monash um, University here in Australia and we've taken that diet and sort of adjusted it to the SIBO diet. And so I created a diet called the biphasic diet, the SIBO biphasic diet, which aims to basically uh, split this whole treatment into two phases. Uh, you know, first you have a phase where it's quite strict and then you actually have the treatment phase where, you, where you're adding in a little bit more fermentable foods and you're adding in those antimicrobials. 
So there is some element to that, but to be honest, I haven't found that to be really true, that people have to eat um, a lot of fermentable foods in order for that treatment to be successful with antimicrobials. So feed it before you kill it is, is not something that we even do for candida either, right? We don't right. do that. We don't tell people Truly. to eat sugar so that the antifungals work. So, yeah. so I have a little bit of an issue with that because a lot of people are very dysregulated. They have a lot of dysbiosis um, beyond SIBO often. I mean, I see people that are, have failed treatment, right? So they're, they're extremely complicated and they have la- lots of different layers of dysbiosis. So it gets a bit more, but straightforward SIBO, I would say, is um, most people when they start the biphasic diet and they come back after they've done uh, four weeks of it, they're already much improved with their symptoms. So we know that there is an element of fermentation that's in the wrong place. Oh, that's great. That's great to hear. Um, Because I I totally get that. The biphasic diet, I don't think I've seen that before, so I'm definitely going to let the the listeners know where they can find it, because I know that specific carbohydrate diet, low FODMAP, is out there. So we'll make sure that everybody knows exactly um, where they can understand. It's a free download, and I have actually three versions of that. And that was over the course of these eight years um, that I've been almost exclusively focusing on SIBO. So I, I initially created the SIBO biphasic diet. Um, based on Dr. Seebecker's um, SIBO, SIBO specific food guide. So that's also right, right, a free right. download from her site. Um, and really what I needed is because I need more structure in my plan. And so I created my own sort of diet around that. And the second version is a vegetarian version, uh, which is, nice. uh, you know, really, it's not just remove the meat. It, there's a lot more to it. And then the third version is the histamine biphasic diet, which is basically a lot of people with SIBO uh, get a lot of histamine problems because when you damage the, the lining of the small intestine, you also damage an enzyme that naturally breaks down histamine. And so a lot of people have not, I mean, we're not just talking about seasonal allergy type symptoms, but they have hives, they have rashes, they have um, migraines, they have uh, you know, menstrual cramps, they have all these things that are actually also can be related to histamine. So that's, that's a common, uh, a common side effect of SIBO, if you will, as well. So, the sure. So, uh, you know, one of the things, so, so oh wait, so I, I have one last question for you. Um, but I want to also note, so those are great resources, free downloads, and they can, and folks, listeners, you can get that at the SIBOdoctor.com, correct? That's right. That's right. And okay. just follow the and links. That, to the biphasic yep. diets and stuff, yeah. And so that, folks, just let me spell it out for you because I always like to, the, as in the, SIBO, <laughs> S-I-B-O, <laughs> doctor, spell it out, D-O-C-T-O-R.com. Okay, so here's a big thing. Um, this last question, well, actually, follow up to my last question. How can we not repeat the SIBO? Because I know that's one of the common things that happens. So I want you to talk about prokinetics, et cetera. But then I, what is the link between this condition and other things that people might not even know they're linked. We're talking about acne and rosacea and bladder pain and kind of overall arching diagnosis like sure. fibromyalgia. Right. Okay. So, um, so first, let's maybe start there and then track back to the preventative uh, or prevention of relapse. So, like SIBO is, if you think about it, that the majority of your immune cells are actually lining 
um, the digestive tract, right? So it's, it's thought that about 80% of your immune cells are right under that one layer, uh, one cell layer thick lining of your small intestine. So they're constantly sampling what's happening to, uh, to see what's going on. So when you have a situation where you have, um, and we know SIBO causes leaky gut, right? So we know that there is an interaction with the immune system that this sounds the alarm bell and causes in uh, sort of systemic uh, inflammatory response responses it's easy to see how you could have links to other inflammatory conditions like fibromyalgia or the silent sort of inflammatory conditions also acne rosacea we know there's a cytokine called il6 that's quite elevated in acne rosacea and in SIBO so that might be the trigger for those patients that are that have a uh, propensity towards rosacea, also restless leg. There's that's more of an iron absorption issue, um, or thought to be linked to, to the fact that when you have SIBO, your body says, "Whoa, I'm not going to absorb iron because iron can feed bacterial overgrowth," and so the liver releases an, um, a protein called hepcidin that prevents the absorption of iron, and so iron deficiency is really linked to restless leg syndrome, for example, and obviously anemia. So, so those are other clues that, that SIBO may really be at play here. And there is like, you know, in the last five years, there's just been an exponential increase in research in SIBO. So we now see other conditions like cardiovascular disease, diabetes. I mean, all the major metabolic disorders are linked to SIBO. So there's, there's always this underlying potential that if you have gut issues and another systemic condition that you might actually really contributing to that systemic issue by having an overgrowth in your small intestine. So that's, yeah. that is for sure that we're seeing that a lot. Now, in terms of prevention of relapse, that really depends on what the underlying cause is. So right, let's go with these two scenarios. One is you have a patient that developed SIBO after a case of food poisoning and has this damaged migrating motor complex, which is the cleansing wave. So they're no longer able to really clear bacteria from the upper gut versus a patient that has extreme endometriosis, right? That has a lot of adhesions and scar tissue that basically are attaching to the small intestine and causing a kink in the garden hose kind of scenario where, mm. where bacteria, you know, just basically accumulate because they can't leave very efficiently the small intestine. So those two scenarios require very different strategies for prevention of relapse. The first one will need something called a prokinetic, as you mentioned, which is a medicine that aims to reset the normal motility of the migrating motor complex. And there, you know, there are different ones. There's natural ones that are probably less effective as the uh, conventional ones. Um, and then you have the endometriosis person. And for that person, I would recommend something called um, visceral manipulation, which is a really specific, very extremely gentle technique to try to uh, break up that scar tissue without triggering new scar tissue formation. So, and that person does not need prokinetics, right? They may actually become quite symptomatic uh, or have side effects from, the, from prokinetics because the motility is not the issue, it's the anatomy that's been altered. Aha. Uh -huh. Got it. All right. Well, you are just on this and it's so yeah. I'm so happy that somebody is because it seems like there's a whole heck of a lot of um, misinformation and, and um, 
miscommunication going on about this disease that I think that once cleared up can be systemic and clearing up so many other quote unquote diagnoses that folks have been rendered. So I so appreciate your work. Once again, listeners, uh, we're looking at websites, the also the biomclinic.com and the sibotest.com. You can also find Nerala over on Facebook forward slash the SIBO doctor. Follow that with breaking news and updates. But hey, before we go, can you just please pronounce the city that you're practicing in that I butchered <laughs> on your bio? That was too cute the way you said it. That's a new one. <laughs> um, it's called Malambimbi. And it's a small town. And if you watch Netflix and you watched Ozark, uh, they were talking about if they ever stopped laundering money for the Mexican cartel, <laughs> they were going to move to Malambimbi. And I was sitting on the couch with my husband watching this and we we're like, stop it, looking at each other like, what? <laughs> they put us on the map. There's, it's a town of 7,000. So it's, it's just everybody loves saying Malambimbi. Well, Nerala, doctor, thank you so much for joining us. Folks at Mindful Medicines, we're all just about opening up your mind, thinking about things in a really comprehensive way. If you have digestive complaints that don't seem to be getting any better, especially the bloating and the the um, the discomfort, and you maybe have been diagnosed with IBS but still have not gotten any relief from conventional treatment, see if SIBO might be at the root. And thanks again for joining us, and we're going to see you next time.